Hi, I'm JT White, author, digital native, and product person, obsessed with trying to find out how to make digital products and the people that make them the best we possibly can. This is Build for Better. My guest today is Jason Osborne. Jason is an award-winning designer, product strategist, innovator, and entrepreneur who's led the creation of successful digital experiences for startups to Fortune 100 companies. His work has been smattered all over the App Store. You probably use one of the things he's designed in your own life. Today, he's the lead principal of Alada, a professional services firm dedicated to helping businesses achieve digital excellence. He is also a frequent collaborator of mine and one of my absolute favorite people to dive into the weeds with. This is Jason. Jason, what's consideration mean to you? So consideration means to me that you are taking a beat and you're considering what it, what something might be like, right? So consider for a moment. That's the phrase I blanked on. You're taking a beat and you're asking yourself, consider for a moment what it might be like to X and I found it to be an amazing tool when designing experiences that other people have to engage with uh, or experience, right? Designing things that people have to experience with to ensure that they enjoy that experience and, or it serves them in the way that they need to be, you know, served or it meets the expectations they might have. Um, I found it actually even more helpful to start with than empathy if that makes sense. Um, it does. Totally oh, it value does. empathy. We know that it's valuable. A hundred percent. But just, I think consideration for me was always much more accessible. I think um, in the early days of empathy becoming a, a, a very, very popular thing, um, it was very confused with sympathy. Um, yeah. And so um, there seemed to be a, a hiccup in the flow of, of jamming together with people and, and you know, really getting good insights um, and having strong understandings, um, you know, to things. And, and I recently was, was reading about the Socratic method and one of the line items from it was, it was a process where you actually delay empathy, which I thought was fascinating. I just only recently, this, this past week, I came across that. Mm-hmm. Just thought it was fascinating that, you know, it's not something that we hear a lot these days in, in design and in, in UX and designing experiences. Um, but the idea of, of it still being valuable, but but ask really good questions and consider some things, you know, for a while and think about them with complete curiosity and no judgment, right? And 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 starting with that, and I call them Legos. Gather these these Legos of the world, these mental Legos, like whatever it is, right? It's all everything is Legos to me, and you can build something with it, but you gotta consider it. You consider all the things, right? And so, um, yeah, consideration to me is a, um, a massively valuable tool that feels deceptively simple. But for some reason, I think it, we've, we've lost the ability a little bit to be considerate. Um, and that's how I first, I mean, I grew up being taught like, hey, be considerate. You know, if you're walking into a store and you see somebody coming behind you, hold the door open for them, right? Like, right. you know, like this is... If you're on a bus, you know, or if you're on the, if you're on the subway, right? Like, and you see somebody who could use the seat more than you could use it, right? Then get up, like, let them have that, that seat, like be considerate. Like, you know, you don't, you live in a world with other people. It's not just about you, right? Like, and so, yeah, I just heard that when I was a kid, spent plenty of years, like, you know, doing what I was supposed to do, high school, college, right? Like all that got the job, all that sort of stuff. And then years later, I started designing experiences for people, digital and otherwise, then um, started to kind of creep back in. And I started realizing, wow, this, um, I think it was during the time of getting myself in way over my head, doing digital product stuff, like early 2000 to 2010 starting as a graphic designer and then getting into that every time I would, I would do one, um, things would not go great. And I would go, okay, what didn't go great this time? And it would generate an enormous amount of stress. And I'm like, I don't want to feel that again, the next time we have to do this. And, and it also required multidisciplinary team of people. Right. So I had done a little design and I had done a little coding 
little motion design too, right? Like so in Flash and ActionScript, I've done some HTML. So en enough to understand like, oh, there's a way to think and do, do these things. Um, and so in doing these really complex technical solutions for, I love doing it for businesses. They were like web apps, essentially. Um, I just couldn't stand doing brochure style websites, which I didn't think helped terribly for small businesses, especially. Sure. It was like, oh, we can use this tech to help you be more efficient or, you know, connect with your audiences better or whatever. There's more that we can do here with this tech. But every time we get in a project, I'd be like, I know I can figure this out. Like I get what you want to do. And I know smart people and, you know, started working with a lot of developers of different types and everything. And every time there was another project, it was, okay, what was I, was, what was I not considering before that I need to consider this time? And I just, you know, I eventually just called it consideration stacking. And I think it's how we learn, right? Like the more anybody does anything, if they have a goal they want to achieve, they try it, you know, you fail. Um, you know, it's, you know, it's the fast fail. I like to call it fast learn. It's just the failing is learning, right? So right. it's part of the journey. It's part of the experience. Like embrace it, right? It should be fun. So learn as quickly as possible. Um, pull people in and learn from them. And there is so much to learn, not just about, the thing you're trying to create and the tools that you need to create that thing, but also the people that you're working with and what it means to work with other humans and consider their desires, their hopes and their fears and what they expect and, you know, on expectation management. So learning all these things by marinating in failed projects, you know, like, you know, after failed project, but they were getting better, right? Like there was some success, but not to the level that I wanted. And so, yeah, consideration has become, a, a, I think, a massively valuable tool that applies, I've learned over the years, to honestly everything. Okay, so there's, there's like, there's so much to unpack there. And interestingly, your episode, um, spoiler alert, I've recorded more of these than you have heard, internet. So I've done quite a few of these at this point. I had a really hard time trying to land the plane on what I thought you would want to call your episode and what we should call it because mm -hmm. there's a couple of Jasonisms that exist in my life, in a, like in my actual everyday life. Right. So the idea of curating your life, right. And mm -hmm. everything can be curated is like a big thing. So like, I really thought about you on curation. Mm -hmm. Right. And then uh, your consultancy was designed onto others, which is still to this day, Duo is one of my favorite brands of all time. Like as far as like, telling someone what a thing's going to do for you in the name of an organization company or product is a very hard thing to do. And you chef's kiss nailed it. Um, but then, then the more we talked, the more I realized that it, it's actually not your empathy or your sympathy, but it's your consideration that lets those two other things, right. Designing and curating and being empathetic and sympathetic because sympathy is also getting a bad rap now. Like now, like everyone's like, right. Oh, well, if you're not empathetic, why, why, but like, no, it's okay to not feel the same feelings, but to know the feelings are happening. That's allowed. Like, that's yeah. also cool. <laughs> so yeah. I'm really glad we landed on consideration. And the thing I want to really start with, I wanted to let you kind of talk through it because I thought you said it very well. It's so much more complicated than we think it is because being considerate of dot, dot, dot on paper and principle sounds like pretty fucking easy, right? It's like, well, yeah, just right. like get up for the lady and the thing. But then you introduce like the human condition in real life, which is like, now there's an old man and a pregnant woman next to you. Who do you point to for the seat? Like, and then all these things about how you're considerate and then being considerate of others and considerate of yourself and considerate the space that you occupy and the problem you're solving. Like the stacking thing I think is really important. So as a product person, I'm going to start with a stacking construct because we love ranking things in product. It's one of our favorite things to do because it's a really easy modality for humans to understand. When you talk about consideration stacking, what's your foundation? Where's the, what's the very first thing, big picture that you think when, when you're considering something, what's the base, what's the bottom layer? So I, I like to, uh, uh, start with the, uh, truth if that makes sense um sure i don't believe you can make anything great without the truth like starting with the truth which means you got to be brave and you got to be willing to you know it, it starts with a who and a why right who is the person and why and what right like what is it they need why do they believe they need it but um even underlying that is the truth so how do you create this 
psychologically safe space for people to be as honest and vulnerable and transparent as possible. Because if you can get to the core of what any issue or desire or problem is, you can start building on that, right? And so, um, like, foundationally, it's, you know, ask really good questions. I do believe that the, the um, quality of an end result is directly related to the quality of the questions asked up front. And so if you can ask really good questions and you can be, um, you know, crazy curious, insatiably curious and not judgmental, like you have to get to a point in your mind where if the world really is just full of these Legos that we can arrange in any way that we want to solve whatever problem we want, right? So to me, this just means ultimate possibility. Um, you got to stay curious. You got to stay open. Always be open, right? Like I always think of, you know, um, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross always be closing. And I'm like, yeah. no, always be open, right? Open yeah. to the possibilities that maybe we're wrong or that we just haven't thought of something that we might need to get somebody else in who has more experience or expertise. It's not about being right. It's about doing right. So let's find people who know more about this than we do. Let's bring them in. Let's just get to the truth as that really, really strong foundation. And then I get excited. I'm like, oh, this is this is a nugget. We can we can use this. And now let's go find some more truths that, that we know. But if we could start with the core base one, I think that is foundational. I think we just named your book or your podcast when you're ready for it, which is it's always be considering Jason. <laughs> there we go. ABC. There we go. I like it. Always be considering. Dude, I love it. Nailed it. Done. Okay. So let me ask you this then, right? So one, a thing that you and I share in common is a love for art. And one of my favorite types of art is comedy. Right? And, and I think there's something really interesting in what you just said, right? Which is which starting from the truth, right? Yes. And, and I think when you think about my favorite writers and my favorite comedians mm -hmm. and uh, musicians very much fall in this vein too. Mm -hmm. Also like, you know, uh, I don't like that. I almost said proper artists, which is really dismissive to everybody else, but like painters. And when people think more artists, what they think of, I think originally, right. like immediately, they're usually starting from a place of their truth. Mm -hmm. And the interesting part is that in comedy, very often the part of truth is that they're accessing is pain, right? They're, they're starting from a place of pain or trauma or neglect or whatever, pick your, pick your poison. Which, this is a really weird parallel I've never drawn before, so I don't actually know if I like it, but I like doing it with you because this is how we usually talk anyway. <laughs> um, I think that's not very different than what you and I have spent most of our life doing in the digital realm, which is you start from a place of pain. You start from a thing that you feel like you should be able to do or shouldn't be happening yes. to you the way it does, and then you grow from it and you go, we're going to make it better. And then, then there's like all the things you have to be considerate of along the way. Is that hundred percent? Well, and I would say I replace pain with emotion. So okay, that's better. <laughs> when I get stuck, when I get stuck, I and but it more often is pain, right? Like I love like the idea of creating utilities. Love it. Utility solutions are great because there is a pain, and I create a utility. It's very very hard to create entertaining solutions that nobody needs. <laughs> and you're trying to convince to use and to love like that is yeah. a much bigger hill to right. There's no pain yeah. that exists that you can. I love the pain ones because it's like, oh, let's understand the current state. Let's talk about the future state and let's just bridge the gap in between together collaboratively. Right. There's going to be a lot of considerations and empathizing and, and you know, commiserating, you know, along the way. But the idea of starting with emotion um, is huge. And I've used that a ton um, when I've been stuck. I remember, you know, Kara Loop, right? Um, caregiver support platform. So it was with them for several years. And I remember the first discovery session that we did, I was leading. And this was the first one that I led after leave, leaving Throttle Rocket and went in there a little bit with a little imposter syndrome. And it just started, my brain works with lists. It starts with who and, and why, which then naturally leads to what. And I'm just genuinely curious. I went in there and it was, you were there. That's right. You were there. I was. The <laughs> and, and, you, and you you remember this, like you probably saw a look at my face where I'm trying to do a mind map and I don't like mind maps, but I'm trying this thing that, you know, a colleague we worked with was brilliant at and I'm focused on, it looks like awful. Like I can't even read what, you know, my mind works with lists. So I just started moving to my list thing. And I just got to a point, there was so much information. There was so much information 
that was that we were that we were going through. I think I remember tried learning all of healthcare like the two weeks prior to the to the yeah. thing. This is <laughs> just, generating just tackle a, that tackle that no, yeah. wait, no big deal. <laughs> yeah, I'll jump in. That's Google, right? We'll Google this. I'll know it in two weeks, not a problem at all. And I'm just, you know, trying to do whatever I can to prep to make this a good experience on the day. And um, and I think I reached a point where I was like, I am overwhelming myself. This is stressful. This does not feel right. This vibe is off. So I decided to go in there and be open, ask my questions. I did attempt the mind map thing, which, you know, I knew wasn't going to work because it's not how my brain works. I work in lists and I connect. I see the patterns of connections and I connect the dots and I say no to a lot of stuff and I move the stuff over that that, that works. And still that day we were there for, I don't know, four to six hours or something. And it wasn't, I just got to a point. I was like, all right, there was too much. And I just said, what is the point of the most emotion? Like, where is the moment that, that someone is having a, an incredible amount of emotion? What's the most emotional moment you're having? And the answer was there were people who were caring for loved ones that were trying to use the platform that was, that was like a digital focus first. So it's more like a marketplace sort of solution where you could fill out a survey and, and, and find, you know, um, services, uh, they would use that, but then they would still call. They called directly and somebody was answering the phone and they took the time to answer the questions of the person who was oftentimes crying, uh, the caregiver who was crying and wanting to do so right by their family member, not knowing how to, cause they've never been a caregiver before. And that person, um, would talk to that individual, help them consider help them understand all the things they should be considering. Right. Yeah. Um, and by the end of the call, that person was like, Oh my God, thank you. So you could, you could hear in the story that was being told the weight, you could feel the weight of that other person's shoulders being lifted right off, off their shoulders. Yeah. You could feel what it was like to um, have that sort of resource to talk to. And that was the epiphany that was like, Oh, this is the moment. If you can figure out how to replicate that moment over and over and over again, where maybe lead with people versus tech, right? Make it, this is a massively human experience. Lead with people, have the tech enhance. I, used to, I, used to, I called the platform we, we, we designed and created SWAS. It was like service with a software. It was leading with humans that were providing the service and the software was supporting the ability to do that massively efficiently. So you could spend more time listening and responding and just being human with the humans, right? Like just people with the people and help them with the problem, which is so much nicer when you have somebody explain things in the nuanced way that sometimes they need to be. But that was it. During that discovery session, it was emotion. It was, and so ever since then, I've just really leaned on that. Always looking for the point of emotion. It doesn't always have to be pain. If if people are loving a thing and everybody's raving about it and it hasn't had a, like a megaphone put on it yet, it hasn't really been expanded like do that, right? Look for those moments where there is is um, strong emotion one way or the other. And then that's, to me, that's a great place to to start. If you're, if you're lost, if you've done mind maps and your mind map is not connecting any dots, right? If you're just lost, I look, look for the emotion. So my, my starting from trauma and pain is my Irish Catholic showing. So I like, that's just, oh, yeah. that's, that's just kind of where I'm at. But there's another word that you said in that conversation that I think is really important. Uh, and it's moment. And oh, one of the other Jasonisms that lives in my life constantly is moments and this idea of moment and curating for a moment and being aware and present for a moment and designing for a single moment. And mm -hmm. that everything that you do in life, let alone the digital ecosystem, is actually just a collection of moments all at once, right? So when you think about designing for a moment, right? Mm -hmm. Like when you think about the consideration set that goes into identifying the moment, like what, so you said like lists work for you, but yeah. what's the mindset that you have to get yourself into to identify the moment or does it happen for you naturally? Cause maybe you just have one of those brains. Um, I don't, I don't know if there's a, Ever since I was a kid, I would always, I daydreamed a lot. I daydream, I still dream and daydream and I love it. I think, um, I think it's such a valuable tool. I think reflection is something that we, we all should be doing way, way more, but we're so distracted by devices and the tech that we're talking about, we build. Right. Um, <laughs> I find it massively valuable. And, and whenever I would daydream, it would be to a point where I could feel what it would be like to be in a moment in the future, right? I've done this ever since I was a kid. Um, it wasn't until we were working together at Bottle Rocket that I had a moment. Um, I think I messaged you about this recently. 
um, where we were checking out um, the difference in transitions between I iOS devices and Android. And I, um, Apple took the time to design the moment between the screens. And it just flipped a switch on me. I'm like, of course, like this, what this exists, we can design it. Right. Like, but looking that right. micro and saying, Oh, did you just like tap a button and all of a sudden a new page loaded, like, you know, on, on the web, like there was not a transition. Like, there was not the sense of movement between things on, on the Android device back then. And so the fact that you could slow it down and we were doing that, we were slowing it down and watching the, the motion, um, love, love motion design. It's so much emotion that gets added when you, uh, into an experience, when you include, you know, uh, motion, um, watching how they, they faded and transitioned, um, between, and somebody said, this is important enough to pay attention to. Yes. The destination where we're going is, is, is important. And where we are today or right now on this screen is important. And the next screen we're going to get to is important, but there is a, there is a period in between happens in a millisecond, but we're going to make that journey between the two screens, just as special as the screens themselves. And I loved that. And it flipped a switch and I'm like this, we hear the, you know, a lot of this is very cheesy, right? Like the idea of moments and life is nothing but a string of moments, you know, like, and it, it's true. Just like after school specials were true, you know, might've been a little cheesy, but they was, there was truth in there, right? Like they were valuable. If you really thought about it and you actually, you know, lived some of those lessons that starting actually Starting from truth, right? starting from truth. Starting from truth, right? Yeah, hundred percent. And so no matter how cheesy it is, don't, you know, don't let that get in the way of, of, of the truth. Is it a universal truth that, that we can use? And so like recognizing that it just from there became much more intentional, right? So I, you know, I just, I define design as intentionally arranging things for desired results. The outcome doesn't have to be good or bad, right? I think that's a perception, right? Um, the recipient, right? For you design a rabbit trap to the rabbit, that's not great, but to you who's hungry, that's amazing, right? So but intentionally arranging things for a desired result, um, that's to meet design, um, and, but acting with intent and, and, and being very intentional about it. So that epiphany in that moment, for me, it kind of opened up a whole world of possibility for, well, how do we truly be intentional about these things? So then it became more intentional thinking about, we're going to go create this thing. Um, it needs to solve a problem um, or it needs to generate a specific experience. Let's go understand. Let's just start at the end. What would be an amazing experience, experience right? Like there's this there's this idea, like, wouldn't it be cool if, which is really, really fun. It can also be massively disturbing to creative folk, right? Makers who are in the middle of a project and then somebody, you know, swoops and poops and goes, I already had this idea over the weekend. Wouldn't it be cool if, you know, like it's very, very valuable to do. I think you have to do it at the right times, whatever. But I think starting in the very beginning, starting to stack those considerations and write them down. What is the business need? What is the user need? You know, um, who are the people, who are the stakeholders that are going to be involved in all of it? Um, but then when you have a bit of that, like, or maybe even before that, play that game of, wouldn't it be cool if, what is the experience we could create? What will people be feeling in that moment in the future? Um, again, all back to, to really good questions. Um, a question I started asking fairly recently within the past you know, year or two is what story do we want people telling? Cause this is what we do, right? We create, we tell stories. This is just how we naturally, you know, constantly act. What story do we want people telling about what we're about to go create for them to experience? And they're going to tell a story either because they had such an amazing experience and they want to, or they had such an incredibly awful experience because we feel miserably and they want to. Both of those are very compelling stories to tell, right? Or someone's going to ask them, hey, what was your experience? Like, I heard you did this thing. You used this thing. What did you like about it? And so if we start thinking from that standpoint and we start thinking, oh, hey, how do we want them to, you know, think or, or feel or what experience we want to have, what story do you want them to, to tell about it? We can get real creative with that and really make it this amazing experience. Um, but that is a moment. Like to me now, it's all moments, right? There will be a moment where somebody would ask them. We all have moments every day at work. Um, we are responsible for certain things. We have moments with our partners. We have uh, and spouses. We have moments with our um, with our children. We have moments with people all the time. And so... Um, once I think you realize that, and, and if you you know um, if you design things for people to consume, and you care about whether or not it is actually valuable to them, um, and you know whether that's entertainment value or functional value, emotional value, whatever that is, um, yeah, it's, I, I found that 
um, for a daydreamer, you know, daydreaming about what they might be able to experience and what I want that and how I want that for them. And then backing out of that. And funny enough, like when I was a graphic designer, which is where I started, I would do this with business cards when they receive this business card. Like I just would visualize, but it never, it never occurred to me that that's what I was doing. It wasn't only until reflecting on all this. I was like, oh, I guess this is just, they're going to have a moment with this thing I create. How do I maximize the value to them and make it a great thing? And then it became, <laughs> and we've talked about this a lot. The more complex the thing that you're, you're creating, the more people you need to bring in. And then you start thinking about the moments that your team is having together as they make the thing for another person to consume and have a moment with that you want them to enjoy. Right. Right. And I, I describe this like cooking, like my mother's an Italian cook and she, she's Italian. She cooks. She's amazing. Right. She's just an amazing cook. I did not get those skills. Um, the eating, I got down, not a problem at all. <laughs> came very, very quick, but the cooking, um, as I get older, I learn patience more and, and I, uh, um, I, I get better and I appreciate it more. Um, but you can taste it when I cook stuff. If I enjoyed what I was doing during that, you can taste it. If I did not enjoy this process at all, you're going to taste that as well. And so um, to me, making anything, like especially when you get a multidisciplinary team of different personalities and skill sets, um, if that team, we have all experienced awful customer experience, and you know that the people who work at the company that you just experienced that thing from hate their job, right? Yeah. Because the organization is is failing at creating an environment where they've figured out how to set their people up for success and, and, and help them do the best work of their lives and find fulfillment or, or whatever that is. Right. And so, um, even those moments start to come into play. So thinking about the moments your team is having, how do you make sure that they can be successful? How do you make sure everybody's understands the vision really understands the problem trying to, to solve? Um, and you give them the space to own solving the problem. It's not about being right. It's about doing right to me. Doing right is creating a psychologically safe space being very clear about what a vision is um, and even getting input from them to help shape that vision. Um, nothing is ever, you know, dogmatically, you know, done or is the way it is. It always is. This is what it is now. And if we come across something that makes it better, we're going to make it better. And so always staying open to that possibility that it can be better, but there's just a lot of moments to consider. You can see how all this sort of kind of revolves and connects, right? Like there's yeah. just so many things to consider. Moments can be one of those things and we can be intentional about how we design those moments. And if the world is made of things, to me, this is how it's all Legos. Let's just be real creative with how we arrange these things, see what happens and see if we can run these experiments. You know, I think life is just experiment after experiment. Run them and see if we can accomplish what we think would be an amazing experience to, to have. So I want to ask you a question about something that you said, which is the this idea that people are going to talk about what you make, right? And they're, mm -hmm. they're either going to have like, you know, if, if you do a terrible job, people are actually just because of the human condition, more likely to talk about it. If it's you a do a story, story. It's, it's more fun. People listen, it's like sitting around the campfire, you know, or sitting in the cave and yelling about some, you know, you know, doof doof who fell off the cliff today is more fun than we had a relatively good hunt. You know, like that's just, it's, it's just true. That's right. just like, yeah. Hear about Carl. Yeah. Did you recall <laughs> it again? Yeah. 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 Sounds Damn it, Carl. But so, <laughs> but so then, and then like, you know, people are also likely to talk about like, you know, the best thing, right? The best meal they ever had, the best vacation yep. they went on, their favorite car they've ever driven, so on and so forth. But I think that like the thing that a lot of us forget, and I am as if not more guilty than anyone. So this is not judgment. This is like self-effacing. We forget that the majority of moments you have during your day are almost entirely forgettable. Mm -hmm. And they're just fine. <laughs> and sometimes I'm, I'm asking you this question now. As a, I'm going to say designer, but like, I don't mean like, I mean like as a designer of, of moments and a designer of things, sure. right? I was a, so Maker moments, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Are you... Are you satisfied with people just being fine with the thing you make or does it need to be the best thing that they ever did? Okay. This is a, this is a great question, man. Um, and I explored this. So I have an entrepreneurial side um, that I've been exploring for a long time. Um, but I also have this designer who appreciates real craft. Like I massively appreciate craft and craftspeople and, 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 taking a lot, like a long time to really master a thing, to create this just beautifully um, 
honestly, highly considered, this highly considered thing that factored temperature and humidity. Like I will watch videos of um, like Japanese teapot um, making and I love it. And, um, and the craft, right? Like, you know, that there's just a a ton that went into understanding how to do that over, you know, uh, hero dreams of sushi. Amazing, um, amazing uh, documentary. Um, Spending one year doing nothing but, but, but cooking rice to make the perfect, you know, um, you know, sushi and, and sashimi. It's just, um, it was just, uh, it's just amazing with that. So um, at the same time, the entrepreneurial side is like, we got a business, we got a ship, we got to deliver value and value is subjective. And so what I might think and know is an amazing, you know, experience and what thing could be, I could be getting in the way that personal desire to have something be perfect, you know, which is unattainable. Right. But I appreciate the, um, I appreciate the, um, the chase for that, right? Like the movie Whiplash is, is one of my all-time favorites. And, and I love that aspect about it, right? Like, where is that line? Like, cause you get that brilliance and you chase that. But when you're talking about a business, when you're talking about you have to deliver things, have to ship, you have to draw a line. And so, you know, after, you know, you and I worked at Bottle Rock after, after leaving Bottle Rock and I went down that, you know, kind of startup and entrepreneurial path to learn a bunch of things, put myself in uncomfortable situations that I'd never been in before. Um, and there were times where I had to shove the designer side down and it was painful and it hurt. Now I've since, um, we did deliver value and I'm going, this could be even, you know, one of the startups is still going today and I'm looking at it going, I know that this could be so much better than it is, um, quality wise, but at the same time, it is killing it for the audience that it serves and they are massively happy. So why would I want to miss it's not at that like at this is it about me or is it about that? Like who is it really about? Right. And so right. he's finding that balance is tough. i since from these experiences, I've learned there's value in setting a bar of quality as a team together up front and do it together as a team. Don't, not one person dictating what it should be, but you have to set the bar of quality and everybody define for their unique roles what quality means. And you know, and together you should you should always try to achieve that and make the bar a little bit out of reach because you're so you're always going for better. And I do think that good stacks and over time, you know, nothing's ever going to be perfect. It'd be boring if that were the case. The journey is part of the fun. So keep working hard at making that and keep that passion for making it better and great there inconsistent and always reaching for that, but not to the point where you burn yourself out. Right. And so um, you can't because then you're, it needs to be sustainable. And so there is that, I like the term harmony more than balance. Um, balance. Um, I heard the explanation that makes it, things seem as though they settle and nothing ever really settles. It's always in motion. So it's much, yeah, much also, more. It's not even. Balance assumes that, the, that the, it evens itself out, and it doesn't. Right. Sometimes it's it's off balance, but well, it's okay. <laughs> and I, yeah, I think that I think there is an evenness, but I think it moves right. It flows, and it might be a little bit more on this area one time, but then it'll right itself later. And you know, so like you know, waves and notes, right? It's just it, it. There's there's a flow to it, and I think harmony. You just got to find that harmony. Um, it's it's not about us, but it is right. So it's that's that dichotomy. I love dichotomies. It is about others. But you, it's very hard to be about others if you haven't figured out how to take care of yourself first. So it has to be about you. Maybe it's Pareto Principle 80-20 rule, right? It's 20% about you, 80% about everybody else because you have to take care of yourself yeah. to be able to be there for others. And so um, another kind of like harmony thing, you have to figure out how to make that work. But um, but yeah, it's um, I think the quality is important and I think we all appreciate highly considered experiences. I mean, look, this was great. They thought of everything, right? Like whether it be a, a, a scrub brush that you use in the kitchen or it, it be a restaurant like Canlis, right? Like in, in Seattle, which is is well known for creating these absolutely amazing experiences and considering the state that people might be in before they come and all that, like people appreciate that. So the question is, how do you create an environment which fosters that, um, but not at a... Um, but not at a level where you're burning yourself out and it's, you know, it's not sustainable because um, we're always earning trust, right? That's the thing. It's all about trust, right? Um, Truth and trust, right? So we're either, we're earning it and maintaining it and we just uh, do not want to lose it. That's the goal, whether it's an individual or a brand, right? And so um, I think figuring out a way to sustain great experiences and make sure that um, it is possible. And that's a little bit of expectation management too, right? Um, Always strive for better. 
but but set that bar and strive for it, but don't settle. Like I settled, right? It was an experiment. I was like, how much, how good does it need to be to deliver the value that it needs to for all people considered, the team making it, the customer buying it, the business that is, you know, serving people in a way that supports its efforts. Like, you know, where does where does good sit? And I think it's a it's I think it's an individual's necessarily place to define that. I think Someone can start that conversation for sure, but you know, I think you have to define it as an organization, as a group, and then um, set you, set those standards, and then work together and support each other um, to to you know to reach those. Well, I, th- I think it's also important to to set the expectation for your users as to what you're doing. One of my favorite examples that I use is, yep. is you know, I'm a bit of a gourmand. I love food, and chefs are you know like comedians, like they're some of my favorite artists in the world. Yep. And one of my favorite moments in my life that was a weird moment that I learned something really interesting about building stuff is we went to, a, I won't say the restaurant, but we went to this amazing restaurant and it's one of those like, you know, three Michelin star, like it's a big deal. Yep. And it was everything and more. It was even better than I could have possibly imagined. And I went with a couple of friends, a couple of whom were actually chefs. And I'm on our way out, we were talking about like, how we felt and like, well, what did it make you think and all this stuff. And me and a friend of mine had this one really interesting realization. What was the only thing you would change about the meal? Like about how you feel now, right? Starting from emotion. What's the one thing you would change? And me and my buddy looked at each other and I was like, dog, I'm starving right now. (laughs) Like it was like, I was still so hungry. And so like I went to a restaurant and had potentially one of the best meals of my life and it was unsatiated for the thing it was supposed to do. It did everything right. else perfect, right? But again, that's yes. expectation management, and there's room for that. Like, there yes. needs to be room for these beautiful experiences that don't actually do the thing you think it's going to do. But then yep. also, like, we were in Chicago and, like, got hot dogs, and it was great. <laughs> Like the hot dogs right. were great because the hot dogs yes. delivered what we needed as far as no longer being hungry. And the experience we had wasn't about food. It was about everything else. The food was happy right. to be there. And like, right. I think about that when I'm building stuff all the time where I was like, okay, yep. am I doing this for the experience or is it solving a problem? And there's, and listen, special places can do both, right? Special places, special apps, special things can do both. But a lot of that yeah. has to do with where your North Star was and the problem you're solving, right? Sometimes well, yeah, you can't do both. Well, that's the utility versus entertainment, right? Like solving a problem versus um, creating an experience, right? Now, you, you certainly can create experiences while solving that problem. But if the goal is to create an experience that nobody has ever experienced before, potentially, right? That's very, very different. And I agree with you. Expectation management um, is huge. And I, I think that people appreciate that. Even if just sharing the telling the story, this is one of the things I learned um, joining like an, you know, very, very early stage startup kind of concept zero to one. Um, you really want to build your audience before you build your product. You want to start sharing what you're doing and why you're doing it. So you can start managing those. It's part of expectation management. Like this is the promise that I want to deliver and you find and learn, oh, that's not the promise I want you to make. I want you to make a different promise <laughs> because right. this is really the thing we want to experience or we want to see or, or that, you know, we need solved. And so I think, you know, sharing and um, just the act of sharing, I think, starts to automatically authentic, genuine sharing, right? Not manipulative and, and, and attempt to control or, or um, you know, be deceiving sharing, but honest, genuine, you know, authentic sharing about what you're building, what you're making, why you want, or what you want to make and why you want to make it in the whole nine yards, I think is, uh, it's great natural expectation management, but also helping you adjust, you know, your own expectations of, of what it is that, um, you know, you may be actually building and delivering. Yeah. I, I like, I think about this a lot with Guy Kawasaki has that great TEDx talk where he talks about the difference between missions and mantras, right? Mm-hmm. And he's talking about the, the Wendy's example is like, they had like a paragraph of like, neighborhoods and inclusions and all this stuff. And he's like, I don't know about you guys. I don't think about that. But like, what if it was just like fresh food fast? It's like, that's really good as a mantra. But then I like this idea for me, it it led to something else, which is not just this mantra, but like this, I think publishing your North star is really interesting, right? Like Mm. as an organization, as a, as an artist, as a designer, as a, as a chef, like, what are you trying to get to and putting that out there and going like, listen, this is what we want to be. And we're not saying that we are. And that's different than a mantra. A mantra is this is what we deliver to you. This is who we are. Then there's this other version of like, this is who we want to be still. And 
like help, <laughs> right? Like by yeah, or like interacting us with us, it'll help. Like hold yeah. us accountable. Give us meaningful feedback. If you feedback, know what yeah. we're aiming for and we missed, it's easier than not knowing and telling us that you did fine or you did kind of indifferent yeah. or whatever. Like I think that's a really interesting thing that internally I think people have gotten better at. I think internally people were talking about, listen, this is who we want to be when we grow up. Like I've seen that get a lot better, uh, specifically Mm. in startups. I think there's a good culture around like where we're trying to head to, but I also think sharing it with the public is probably could be really interesting. Like, yeah. And then again, staying open, right? Like if you're saying, Hey, this is where we're trying to head and, and, and it's aspirational and you want to put it out there. Um, you got to stay open to the fact that you put that out there and you might get some, some stuff that you, you know, negative feedback, or you might hear, start hearing some rumblings or things. So always stay open. And um, if you're, I mean, again, who you're doing it for, right? So if you're doing it for others, why not stay open and, and make sure that what you're going to go invest all this energy into um, time, money, resources, all that, um, that it's actually truly valuable. Cause that's the fulfilling part, right? Like making things that nobody wants is not terribly fun or fulfilling. Right. So. Yeah, I think that's, uh, yeah. And I think the, the the interesting part that I wish we were better at as a technological community, I guess, I don't know what better way to say that, is that there are things that nobody wants to have to use that we could still make good. Yes. Right? Like there's there yeah. are there are things and utilities in your life that like we could spend a little more time on to just make them less annoying to have to interact with. And it would just make things. Yeah. Yeah. Advertising. The desire to avoid commercials at all costs is where that platform we worked on together came from. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Cutting the cord way early on, but yeah. um, I hear you. Yeah. This is great. Okay. We are at the time in the podcast where now I get to ask you my favorite nine questions that are stolen from, well, borrowed in their, their, they're, uh, I don't know if they're even borrowed. They're like kind of a ripoff and kind of just like an adjustment, but I like them anyway. And you also, as a fan of acting in movies, I know appreciate them. So the nine questions that I stole from Bernard Pivot and James Lipton, the very first one is a quote or a concept that you love. So um, the Maya Angelou quote, I've learned that people forget what you said. People forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. I think mm. is 100% true. I think it applies to people, but I think it also applies to brand, if not brands, if not more so. So for your taking time to be considerate, people are going to tell a story and it's the moments that you create for them. Are you being considerate and intentional about that moment? And do you care enough to think about it and make sure that it's a great one? We're not always going to get it right, but at least trying and doing that, but it is because I can tell you, I cannot remember oftentimes bands' names, like you know, um, uh, musician names, restaurant names, like whatever. But I can tell you 100% whether I like it or not. I can tell you how it made me feel. Oh, this was amazing. I got to go find that name for you. That, that, that we had an amazing experience. You have to experience this, or oh, you have to avoid this at all costs. I do not remember the name, but whatever it is, like, right. um, but I will go find that and I will, I will let you know. I just, um, I think it's, it's, I think it's true. And I think it's something you can, you can build off of. I also love be curious, not judgmental. Right. So, um, thanks to, um, Ted Lasso, I heard that and, um, it's, yeah, I think it's, I think we are massively judgmental right now. And I think, um, the more that I've practiced that, the more the world opens up and becomes, um, nothing but possibilities and everything truly i'm just i'm insatiably curious I'm, I'm fascinated by everything um which makes making things fun right um yeah um and so it's just interesting what it does to your to your brain uh, your mind when when things become much more interesting and and it's really about curiosity like you know why is that happening and what is their perspective and why is it so different from mine and you know it's just i don't know possibilities abound when, you know, I think that way versus, you know, get judgmental about it. And the reality is, um, I haven't, I don't know. There are two sides to, there's multiple sides, right? Sometimes there's three sides, right? Like, I don't know. I really would like to know. I'm overwhelmed from trying to know half the time. So I could make a really, really informed decision. Um, and, uh, I remember in college, I was sick one time and, um, I went to to TCU here in Texas and Fort Worth. And um, this was in the mid nineties. And 
there was not cable in, in the dorm rooms. And so I just had this old TV small that had like antenna, or whatever. And there was this movie and I can't remember if it was bring it on. It was like a cheerleading movie or whatever. It's just, what was it? It was like Saturday movies, right? In the afternoons, there should be movies playing. Sure. And I was sick and it was just on and I was half paying attention, but there was this one scene that when cheerleader was yelling at another one and she goes, what makes you think your problem is any bigger than mine? And the other girl said, because it's mine. <laughs> and my mind blew. And I'm like, this is, Oh, this is this is it. Our own problems are our own universe, and that's why we're not, you know, like it's yeah. you know, you're yelling at me about your thing, and I'm not understanding it because my thing is just as big to me as your thing is is to you. And it just I it's just these weird moments of epiphanies where you make these connections, right? Whether it's like swiping a little screen. I love, I love those where you have those epiphany moments where it's just the innocuous little random thing that you never would have i wasn't expecting when putting a turn on the movie on to have a mind-blowing revelation with with bring i think it was bringing on or something like that like that's not what i was expecting from this movie i was like distract me from the pain i'm feeling from my sickness right now right with and it's hey it's the only thing that comes in clear right now so this this will work right so just entertain entertain me and distract me but um yeah that's great yeah there's a i had a ta in college um because I went to school for psych and they, one of the things that she, she said that has stuck with me forever, similar to, cause it's mine for, for me was, uh, I wonder why. And she said that she had this practice of like, when somebody said something that startled her, instead of responding her immediate, she had trained her brain to immediately go, I wonder That's why. Perfect. And yes. then she would start thinking about all the things that could have happened to have a person have that kind of point of view, which would then yeah. immediately disarm her and her need to be vitriol back and take a step and go, oh, okay. And usually she was like, usually nothing happens. Usually I just, by the time I'm done with my process, we've moved on and I don't care anymore. She's like, but yeah. just that take, again, consider it, like be considerate, take that one second to go, I wonder why, right? And then sometimes she was like, and then sometimes as, a, as, you know, as an actual clinical psychologist, you go, well, I wonder why, <laughs> like why, why, why? It's like such an so, interesting little, little mechanism. Dude, it's so valuable. I learned that from um, back in 2016, 2017, Marcus Aurelius Meditations. I had uh, um, been, um, it was Ryan Holiday I had come across, and that was one of his books on, it, on, the, on the top of his list. And um, it has always stuck with me, um, the idea that the only thing we can control is ourselves. Yeah. Not necessarily the emotions we have when they happen, but how we respond to them, we can 100% control. And so that was both freeing and lifting, not having to worry so much about others as, as I was, just thinking, okay, in this moment, what can I do? And like you said, like, why am I feeling the way that I'm feeling and training that? It is so freeing. It is so freeing. Yeah. And the weight that gets lifted off your shoulders so you can be clear. So you can be, you know, intentional and more considerate. It's easier to be considerate when you're able to like calm the heck down yeah, and then chill for a second, take a beat, consider, you know, what it might be like if you take this choice or that choice, just, you know, um, yeah, that the ability to do that. So, um, and it's hard. We are emotional beings, right? Like, again, yeah. that's why that feeling stuff, you know, it's like people will not forget how you made them feel. And, and, um, um, yeah, that ability to take a beat and consider for a moment. It's like, why am I feeling this? That's a great, that's a great question. And it should be fascinating. Find it curious, right? Like be fascinated that this is how we work and that this just happened. Right. So, yeah. I have a complicated relationship with Marcus Aurelius's book, but we'll do that for the next time. Uh, number two, quote or concept you dislike? Because I said so. <laughs> That's good. When you know, is, yeah. Yeah. Get oh, that. man. Yeah. Tell me why. Like, I, I'll be in. But because I said so, I am. Out. I just, I struggle. I, yeah, I want to do a good job with you, right? Give me a bit of, you know, we, 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 were, we were raised with that, right? Like, you know, New England kid, hey, you know. <laughs> yeah. Why do I have to genuine curiosity? It was, what's hilarious is my mother's like, oh, question everything. That was her mantra. Question everything. But there was a footnote. It was like, except me. Right. Except so, me. Yeah. <laughs> and so she was great. She was awesome. It was um she is actually where I got the idea of designing moments from because she would design moments brilliantly. Um the the gift giving to me, if you are a good gift giver and you and um that says everything uh, so much about an individual, if they see you enough to know exactly what you would like, but also how and wrap it and present it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? She used to make dishes with, she, it was the first food photographer I ever saw. Like when people were 
taking shots of their, you know, their meals. Yeah. She would do that. She'd be like, all the colors, this is gorgeous. She would take old school, this was before cell phones. Like she'd get out the 35 millimeter and she'd take all these shots. Yeah. And she was just just great. And um, but she understood that. She understood how to make a moment like that. And so, um, but yeah, but she would also say, because I said so, and I'm like, in my brain, I'm going, hey, I'm with you. Like, I'm willing to do this. If you help yeah. me understand the goal and why we're doing it the way we're doing it, I might be able to stack on top of this and add something to it. Or it would make it easier for me to go get it done and do a great job as well. And so yeah. I'm just always <laughs> because I said so. I just want a little inkling to understand. Yeah, I think as a human, you deserve it. All right, what's a job other than your own you would love to have? Um, I'll be honest, man. I struggled, you know, thinking of an answer for this one. I, I absolutely love creating things bigger than um, myself, right? Or ourselves together with others, but in service of like even more others, right? Like I just absolutely love that. So if there was a form of that, it would be somehow have the the freedom and flexibility to do like solve problems with others, like where I want, how I want, with who I want, when I want. Like just that ultimate freedom to do that, but it would be constant problem solving, making connections, asking questions, learning about so many different things, different cultures, different moments people are having, different challenges and pain points. Like it's, yes, we, we've been doing it for tech for a long time. It's a, it's a fun, complex problem to me, like, you know, learning how to be a successful entrepreneur is also a, a fun, complex problem. Um, but I just want those problems and challenges to continue to grow and scale and then want to be able to, I don't know, do it everywhere. So I don't know if there is a different job I would love to have, if more so a different form of, of what I'm, I'm, you know, what I do. Totally fair. Okay. What's a, uh, what's a job other than your own you would not want to have? Uh, I would thought about this too. I think a mortician or undertaker, like, yep. I, I, there's, I'm, I'm not good with guts, right? Like I wouldn't, I appreciate it. Look, if, if a moment came and we had to make something happen and you needed a straw to go somewhere, you had to make a cut and have somebody breathe. Like, look, we got to do what we got to do to, you know, to fix a problem in the moment. And I will put aside all of my, you know, you know, Ick. feelings about the guts <laughs> and the ick, right? Uh, and so we'll make that happen. But, um, but I also like connecting with people so much. I can't imagine like having to not be able to connect with the people in front of me at the same time having to. Yeah. With, with that. no, that's, that's definitely appreciate it. Definitely appreciate it. But I just, I don't think, you know, I'm visualizing whether or not I would be happy doing this day in the day out. I, I don't think that, I don't think that would make me happy at all. Fair enough. Uh, what turns you on spiritually, creatively, or emotionally? So, um, watching others take a chance on themselves and, um, achieve a thing. It doesn't have to be a big thing because it doesn't really matter what it is, but, um, like I will, um, I don't, I don't, really watch like America's Got Talent or American Idol or whatever. I, I do like the highlights though. Like I love, I will show do well when people do a when good do job. Well. It's so good. Yeah. Well, when, when someone comes out and you can tell that they're a little shy and a little unassuming and they come out and like, and you know that they are doing everything they can to just like keep it together there. And, and they just sing from the soul. Um, and you feel that, right? Like chokes me up every time. I can't help yep. it. Um, but I, I, and watching anybody do that, like well up the courage to go achieve and do a thing. Um, um, I don't know, man, that just always, you know, I'm just always there for that. Like that fills my cup. That just always makes me feel a certain way. I always get choked up and, um, yeah, it's a great answer. Okay. Uh, what turns you off spiritually, creatively, or emotionally? Just dogmatic, close-minded approaches to anything, right? Like, I mean, we don't know, man. None of us know, right? Like, that's the truth. That's the truth. We really don't. Like, I always think of cutting boards. Remember how many times we've been back, like, wood cutting boards are the best thing we should be using. No, 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 wait, it's plastic. No, 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 it's wood again. Like, I remember that was a thing for a while. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. these are cutting boards, really? Like, this is, you know, how do we not? And if we can't get that right, well, I mean, right. you know, so let's just, put, let's just keep trying, right? Like, as long as we don't stop trying... That's, that's the yeah. thing. And so, so dogmatic, closed-minded approaches to anything um, that say, no, this is the way or this must be the way. Because I said just, so. <laughs> it's that's again, yeah, exactly. That's what turns you off. Oh, <laughs> knowing that we are often all wrong, you know, all of us, including myself, right? Like I'm yeah. an idiot for things. Yeah, yeah. I'm brilliant on things. Like I'm all of it, just like we all are, depending on what the thing is. So yeah. <laughs> uh, what's a product that you absolutely love? Okay, so... Um, it's interesting. You said product, and I think of 
I think of things and let's say think of them as products, right? So, um, but to stick more kind of with your product, like there's an app I've been using lately called Mental for like strengthening your mind. It's so simple and brilliantly done. Um, it was it was created um, to it's 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 a men's mental health app. Like it was designed for men, but it was really designed to in that uh, shit shower shave moment remind you of um, things to consider, how to be better. It also does like cold shower therapy. I'm like you know month and a half in and I love it for the brilliance of the writing and how they designed it. Right. So it's like a uh, Navy CEO, master chief, Stephen um, drum, and then uh, a buddy of his Jason Kyle, who is hilarious. I was not expecting to laugh. Like I was not expecting such good, like such good humorous writing from this app but at the same time, like, Hey, let's, 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 let's get the mind right. Like here are some tools that'll help you with that, you know, breathing and mantras and things like that. Um, I'm doing the cold showers regularly, consistently, it's, it's, and I appreciate it, but I love its simplicity um, and just how they execute it. I'm just really impressed with it. I think they did a, a great job. So that is something that um, as somebody who's insatiably curious, like doing, you know, one thing over and over the same way, so using the same tool all the time, I'm always curious of like, oh, maybe there's, I've been using this for a while. I appreciate it. Maybe there's another thing. This is one that I've consistently used and can see myself continually con, uh, continuing to consistently use and, and get real value out of. But um, aside from that, my number one favorite thing, which isn't a product is my daughter, when she was like eight years old, left a note on this fluorescent green um, index card. And it was all misspelled, but she wrote it a note and she left it on my laptop one day. I just came back to my office and it says, dear dad, believe what you do and say, love Ava. And I'm like, <laughs> Yes. Amen. A hundred percent. Where did this come from? And, you know, <laughs> yeah. so that is my favorite. And I, you know, it's on my shelf. I, I look at it every day. It's, uh, I love it. It's just an amazingly great reminder. That is my favorite thing. That's good. All right. What's a product that you wish was better? Um, I, it's, I just, I wish, I wish that the way advertising is done was better. It's not a product. It's an experience. Right. So I just do not like it. When I was a kid, I wanted to get into it. But not because I didn't. I didn't want to sell anything. I loved that. Um, my mom um, used to. I used to watch I Love Lucy with my mom. Right, would be in the in the kitchen. She'd have that on. And then I remember um, when my parents were. You know, my mom um, was going through a stressful time. Um, it was a family business thing at the time. Um, I knew that she was carrying a lot of weight, and there would be a commercial that came on, and within thirty seconds she was laughing. And I thought that was. I loved that. I loved that for thirty seconds that the commercial, the humor that was in the commercial. So I want to make commercials for the humor. I just wanted to Do take this. 30 seconds. Yeah. To take people away from whatever they're dealing with and you get right back to it, but it was just, I loved it for the break. But, um, but then you know, eventually I just, you know, went to the design and still humor was always a part of it. We've always talked about that. We love comedy and comedians and things like that. Humor has always, always been a part of, 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 you know, the experience to create and, um, always, always a consideration if we can get in there, if possible, it makes sense. But, um, I just, I just don't care for how interruptive and um, disrespectful it is, if that makes sense for my time and the moments that I'm having. And so I just, I wish, I, I wish there was a better way to do it. That was more contextual and relevant. And, you know, it's uh, I know I, I appreciate that it adds value, right? The small businesses or companies like they need to get their stuff out there, like definitely understand the value of it. I just really wish it was, there was a better way to do it. That was um, less ick. Fair enough. All right. And, and last and, question. Yeah. If you could Go solve ahead. any one problem through technology, what would it be? I think a lot about um, the idea of reflection. How, how do we, how do we, how do we get ourselves to get to be more curious and less judgmental? Right. So, I mean, this, you know, um, I mean, there's, there's a lot of, lot of problems to solve. Um, but I, I think, I think a lot of it does come back to, to mental health, um, and so I know that there's already a lot of technology going on that are great, right? Like um, um, Headspace is great and, and Calm is, is, is great. And that mental um, app, I love. Um, but um, yeah, I don't know. This idea of, of um, curiosity, how do you get people to a point like that? So um, yeah, I don't know if I'm doing a good job explaining this, but I don't think it's it's like, you know, clean, fresh water everywhere, 100%. We should definitely figure out there's people working on that, but um just trying to get to the root of, of what, what is it? Like what part of mental, what, how, is there a way that we could be that would help us um, 
show up better for ourselves so we could be yeah. there for others? Is it is? Is it curiosity? What is the thing? Is it openness? And I don't, you know, um, if tech could support that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I struggled with this one and figuring it out, but I do. If, if, if there's anything I think about it, it's like, what is a, what are some core simple things that are accessible, right? Um, that are accessible on that. Like if it is that shift and I do think it comes down to mindset. I really do. I think it's mental sure. health and, and mindset a lot. And so, but I'm, I'm still exploring. What is that aspect? Is it, is it curiosity? Is it openness? What is that thing that we can help people understand how to be from the moment they wake up so they can then tackle whatever it is that they have to tackle, but also be more patient and open to others. They might have to tackle it with and, and figure out how to, you know, bridge those gaps and stuff. Like what is that state that we have to be in? I love it. And I adore you. And I hope that you enjoyed this as much as I did. And I love how considerate you are. And I hope that more people are as considerate as you are. I even love that you have a hard time answering questions because you're so considerate. That's one of those things I love about you. <laughs> Dude, I love you too, man. And I absolutely love these conversations and uh, whenever we get to have them and just the ability to explore and laugh. Um, I love it. So I love you too. And thank you so much for this opportunity. Um, it's an honor to be on your podcast. I think you're killing it already. And I've enjoyed every single episode so far. Well, thank you. And uh, thanks for sharing with everybody, bud. Yeah, my pleasure. Anytime. <laughs>